She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Mr. Smollett is the one that orchestrated this crime. Bogus police reports cause real harm. President Trump says an Alabama woman who joined ISIS in Syria will not be allowed to re-enter the U.S. There has been no Russian collusion except by uh, Hillary Clinton and Steele and, and all of those folks that were using the Russians to get dirt. The idea that President Trump needed to collude with Russia in order to beat Hillary Clinton is frankly laughable. And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> I love it when Sarah Huckabee Sanders breaks down something that we all know so simply, so freshly, so uh, perfectly articulated, which is the Russians might have bought ads on Facebook and they might have hacked into systems and they might have even had something to do with WikiLeaks putting out all the Democrats' business, but they certainly didn't help elect President Donald Trump. So uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for making your home here at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I'm Stacey Washington, Second Amendment Foundation's 2018 Journalist of the Year, co-chair of Project 21, National Center's uh, Advisory Council, Project 21, and also host, uh, hostess with the mostess over here at uh, Stacey on the Right. I'm so excited for the show today. I want to let you know it's Open Line Friday, as it were. You can call in and chat about anything you want. I love talking to the listeners, especially on Fridays, because everyone seems to be a little more jubilant, a little more buoyant, a little more, you know, take your take your favorite adjective. Everyone's a little extra on Friday, me included. Super excited about getting in the pew this weekend and also spending some time with family, unplugging, but also the show today. So today on the program, we're going to be talking to John Malcolm. Uh, he was on, I think, last week with some rapid fire delivery. We're going to get updates from him on where things stand now that 16 states have uh, tried to basically they're put their little stompy foot down. They're upset that the president has declared a national emergency. They're trying to put a stop to it. And he's going to come on and talk to us about the legal aspects and ramifications of these lawsuits and how he thinks they'll, they'll progress. And we're also going to be talking about Bernie Bernie bros, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders is not receiving the same love from the Democrats that he received back when he ran the last time. And this time it's because they're really concerned that this independent doesn't hold their ideals. And as much as I disagree with so much of what the Democrats do, um, and I think that this is really too weak of an action, just requiring him to sign a piece of paper, it's not enough. But I do see what they're trying to do here, and I respect it. And I, I hope they'll actually be empowered to do more because Bernie Sanders is putting forward ideas that are dangerous to America. And Democrats should not affiliate themselves with those ideas. In fact, if we had the true Democrats of old, we would be arguing about things that have to do with maintaining our prosperity and just how to do it. Uh, main, you know, how to do taxation, how to do the certain things that are constitutionally mandated or not mandated. I don't believe taxation is constitutionally mandated, but... The things that we do in our federal government, whether it's caring for the poor or our foreign, uh, you know, for our pol foreign policy, or even how we uh, deal with our domestic policy issues, we used to be able to argue with the Democrats about that, and it was just, you know, hey, you, you know, we have a difference of opinion. Now they're over there with Che Guevara and and other, you know, just the, the craziest of ideas. They're espousing not just socialism, but some things that are straight up communism, the complete and utter control of certain industries by the government, taxation through confiscation, 
Uh, moving beyond simple taxation to actually clawing back what people have earned and just taking it, just just basically saying, look, you you can't have that. You, I, I guess we weren't really understanding what Barack Obama meant when he said you didn't earn that, you didn't build that. He really meant anything you have is subject to us taking it from you. Get over it. So this is just a tiny little step, them making Bernie Sanders declare himself as a Democrat. But that's a two-edged sword, isn't it? If Bernie Sanders is a Democrat, if he is allowed to come into the party with those ideas and call himself a Democrat, then who are the Democrats really? So we'll dig into that. We'll take your calls at 866-963-2037. I got Friday brain already. Uh, 866-963-2037. And I'm only in one cup of coffee. That's how busy the morning was this morning. I actually went to try something new to deal with some, like I have some neck pain and back pain. And so I went to a chiropractor. Oh my goodness. Now, if you hate chiropractors, I'm not telling you to go to one. If you love them, awesome. I'm so glad. I'm not espousing one way or the other. I just shared with you that I went to one this morning to try to take care of some, some neck pain. So uh, that, was, that was a pretty interesting visit, and I'm glad I got a chance to do it. But it kind of sucked up a lot of my day. So I want to launch into uh, a little bit of encouragement for today. And this is to go into the weekend. And it's so simple. It's so quick. It's so sweet. And it's a scripture that I actually have on one of those cool little cards that I sometimes talk to you guys about. Um, I'm showing it on the, the live stream. This is a, it's a tiny little card that came with a book that I did a Bible study that was affiliated with. And the cards are to prompt you to pray about scripture, um, to pray back the scripture to God. And this one is God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And that's Psalm 46.1. So whether it's a major problem or a small difficulty, something that you consider to be kind of like, why would God bother with this? He wants to bother with it. He's not bothered at all. He's God. He's ready to come in and deal with the smallest of issues to the large, really weighty issues that you're facing. And I say that because, you know, we all have things that we're going through. And, and this is something that I try to remind myself. And I, I often, I fall down on the, on the job, but I just try to pick myself back up and a- attack it again. And that is, I try to remember that whatever the the face of the person that I'm dealing with, whether I'm in the store buying some food or, you know, the cashier or any person that you're interacting with, even if it's somebody on the elevator, um, whether they look completely happy or totally miffed and, you know, like don't, don't, don't even make eye contact. Every person is dealing with their own unique set of issues and, and things that they're working on. And sometimes the problems are overwhelming. And so the face that we see staring back at us, it could, that face could use us giving them a smile, giving them some encouragement, trying to, uh, to brighten their day, even if our day isn't that bright. And so uh, I just want to encourage you, God is your refuge. He is your strength, a very present help in trouble, meaning he's right here, right now, available to you. And uh, one way to really feel God's presence and to access him immediately is obviously to meditate on his word. But also if you're feeling that strain, uh, pick up the phone and call someone and pray together or grab your daughter or your son's hand or your husband or your wife's hand and say, look, just let's just pray together for a minute. 
and invite God into that situation and he will work and he will do it. So I hope that takes you off into the weekend in a great way. Um, please be encouraged and uh, know that God is here to help us. He, he is always present. So right now, I, I actually have a little bit um, of audio that I want to talk about. I also want to talk about the president taking the extraordinary step of using Title IX funds from the government to defund $60 million from Planned Parenthood. This is breaking news. I also have some other breaking news about um, the the lawsuit against one of the people who did the undercover videos with uh, the Center for Medical Progress and David Daleiden. That person is actually under threat of no longer having their freedom. Planned Parenthood is suing them. And the judge is now going to permit in closed session for the videos that are the subject of the lawsuit to be viewed by the jurors and the judge, everybody involved in the case. Planned Parenthood had sought an injunction to stop the videos from being played during the trial. But since the videos are the subject of the trial, the judge has said, yes, they will be played. So a lot of movement going on. And if you're one of those prayer warriors out there, if you're one of those Annas or, you know, if you're if you're a man, you're still you're still a prayer warrior. Um, if you're out there and you're praying on this issue, don't stop. Keep praying about this. I, I We've had people call in on the show, especially with the, the different developments about trying to get, you know, late term abortion enshrined in state law and all of that in New York and, and Virginia. And people have been on this air with tears streaming down their faces, sharing their testimonies and talking about how much they want to see the the biblical view of life spread throughout this land. God numbers our tears. He holds them in the palm of his hand and he is moving. So don't stop praying about this. Um, I, I believe we're going to have the victory. Obviously, we're going to have the victory on this. So let's go to the phones. Ernest in Michigan. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Happy Friday. Hey, Stacey, how you doing? Can you hear Pretty me? Pretty good. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> yes, yes, Stacey, um, you made a statement maybe maybe a month and a half ago uh, as relates as relates to the border control, and you had made a statement that you wish Donald Trump would go ahead and issue the RFID chip. Am I correct? Did you did, did you say that? No. Uh, you're talking about some oh, kind of I, biometric I, chip that goes into a person? Yes. No, no. I, I, I don't I think you should do that. Okay. Uh, is okay, is that something that is a is that something that's actually a possibility? Are you talking about for people who are in the country illegally, or what would that be exactly? Uh, I'm just talking about about overall. Uh, let me. I'm gonna try to make this fast. Um, sure. The RFID chip. Uh, some companies are are allowing employees to get a volunteer. I believe it will become mandate. Uh, uh, at the Vatican, the policy is also. Uh, for this chip, and uh, mm -hmm. what I did was I did some research as it relates to buying and selling. I'm trying to make this fast. I hope you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, in Revelation, yeah. when it talks about not being able to buy and sell unless you have the mark of the beast, uh, the beast uh, represents three things as it relates to the Bible. It relates. It, it talks about a kingdom in Daniel chapter 7. Uh, at the Vatican, the papacy in Revelation is the harlot church. He's promoting this chip. And uh, he said it, it could be used for a lot of purposes. What I did do in, Mis in Michigan here, I went to one of the largest Catholic churches, and I asked one of the members, uh, was the father of the church promoting the chip? And they said, yes, it would just be for insurance purposes. This is what no. I believe, Stacey. Wow. I believe okay. The chip will become, I believe the chip will become mandate. Uh, Donald Trump is also for the RFID chip. I'm going to step out and say I believe he's going to get reelected because I believe God is putting people in place so his work will be uh, fulfilled. You don't worship a computer, you're worshiping something you give to a person. Maybe another National Sunday law is coming. I don't know if you've know, done your research on the 
again, on the Vatican apostasy. She is the Holy Church, Revelation chapter 17. I'm trying to make this quick. A lot of people know where I'm coming from on this. Uh, the system will be totally intact. You won't be able to buy and sell unless you're part of this religious system. Hmm. So uh, uh, hopefully somebody else will call in and comment on this. Thank you so much, uh, Ernest, for calling in with that information. And um, I'm not actually, uh, obviously, I don't support people RFDI chipping themselves. Like, we've chipped our dog. So he has a chip in him. So if we lose him, we can find him. Or if someone else finds him, or if an animal shelter finds him, they will know that he belongs to us. But, uh, you know, again, I obviously, I don't support that for people. Uh, but I do believe the Bible is true. I do not claim to be an expert in Bible prophecy, but I believe that we're called as Christians to, yes, we need to be concerned with the end times, but the main thing that we're supposed to do as Christians is work every day on our own personal obedience to make sure that we are in in God's will, doing what he has asked us to do, but also to be doing the work of the church. So discipling others, bringing people to the gospel and doing the ministry work that we're called to do in our area. So where you work, where you go to school, where you worship, in your neighborhood, uh, in the community center, maybe the, the YMCA where you work out or the Gold's Gym, wherever your footprint is, that's where you're supposed to be doing God's wor- will, which is is obviously you're in the ministry field. You're you're in the ministry field whether you are down in Uganda and you know on a mission or whether you're walking up and down the streets of St. Louis, you know, going to and from your work and buying a cup of coffee on the way. The ministry field is wherever you find yourself and I I don't I don't have anything against people who do biblical prophecy, but I definitely feel like, you know, it can it can become a distraction to try to figure out what is going to happen. God has told us what's going to happen. He's also told us what we're supposed to do. We have to be busy working for him. The Bible says we're supposed to be, have our lamps trimmed and full of oil, which is a euphemism from the time for people being prepared. You don't want your employer to come back to work if he goes to lunch or goes away on a business trip and find everything in disarray and you not doing what you're supposed to do. Whether he's there or not, you're supposed to be doing your job. It's the same, but even to a much more grand context for Christians, we are to be doing God's work whether we feel like he's present or not. He's, he's present, but we're to be doing his work. And so I, I know about the RFDI or RFID chip. And I think the most important thing about that is just, you know, you pray about it. And if it's not required, why would you even want uh, the chip in your body? If it's for ease of shopping and all of that, you know, sometimes we can be ungrateful for what we have and try to make things too easy and inadvertently place ourselves in a in, in out of God's will for, for us. So, you know, I don't need things to be that easy. Scanning into work with a card is plenty easy enough for me. Using a credit card or a debit card is plenty easy enough for me. Um, and so I just think you should pray about that if, if that's something that's on your horizon from your employer. We're going to be back with John Malcolm of the Heritage Foundation. You keep it here. Hello, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, on our spiritual heritage tour of Washington, D.C., we go to the Supreme Court. That's one of the places we go on, on day one, and we visit the inside chambers. We go to where the justices sit, and it's an amazing place to visit, the Supreme Court of the United States. We don't just look at the outside. We go the inside and see where the justices sit and where oral arguments are heard. 
So that's just one of the places we visit on one of the days we're in Washington, D.C. And we also go to Mount Vernon, the home of George and Martha Washington. So we're going in September. June's full. September will be filling up soon. If you want more information on this Spiritual Heritage Tour, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I once read a compelling biography of the 18th century pioneer Daniel Boone. Among many other accomplishments, he is credited with founding the state of Kentucky. Daniel Boone is a study in determination. He was driven and determined to settle and establish this new western frontier, but along the way he watched family and friends die from bloodshed and disease. But in the end, he experienced the reward of his determination. Courage is not the absence of fear, but determination to do what must be done. And the call of God demands focused determination when, not if, opposition comes. God tells Joshua in chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 9 to stay the course despite the pressure and the problems and the pain he will experience in occupying the land. Listen to these words. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous. And then down in verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Courage is like faith. It gets stronger with exercise. And focused determination is required because when you're in the will of God, there will definitely be opposition. I want to encourage you today. Just because you're having some problems in implementing what you think is right does not necessarily mean you should second-guess yourself. It could just mean that the enemy of your soul is angry because you are pursuing the heart and the will and the purposes and the plan of God. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Exercise that courage muscle. God's assignments for our lives demand focus, determination, and courage. Like Daniel Boone, like Joshua, how determined are you really? Legacy Moment with Crawford Loritz is produced by Moody Radio, Ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hello. <laughs> if you've ever watched Frasier from back in the day, <laughs> that's a reference to Daphne's crazy mom, and that's how she used to answer the phone, and that's how she used to get in trouble too. <laughs> so for people who don't watch that, sorry, don't that reference is kind of crazy. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome. Wonderful guest. We so enjoyed our last chat with him, and it's a continuation. We need an update, and who better to make it for us than John Malcolm, Vice President for the Institute for Constitutional Government at the Heritage Foundation. John, happy Friday. Well, I'm tempted to give you a Fraser greeting, but I'll refrain. It's good to be with you. <laughs> I know. I, sometimes I do it, and, and my family has gotten so used to it that they, they, they just do it back. I'll answer myself, and I'm like, hello. <laughs> and they're like, oh, geez, here she goes. So, um... <laughs> I actually, I was, I was so excited to see that we'd gotten you back again because I saw the lawsuits. We expected those. The president said, hey, right. I'm going to declare a national emergency. There's going to be a ton of people who are going to sue me. They're going to take it to the wacky Ninth Circuit, and then it'll end up at the Supreme Court. So we knew what was going to happen. But 16 states, I've actually had people messaging me on different social media saying, I'm so ashamed. I live in a state that's suing to stop the national emergency, but I'm totally against that. You know, I almost feel like I need to wear a sign that says I'm for the national emergency because my state's <laughs> suing to stop it. So what's, what's the validity here? Like, how, does, how do states 
states have the right to enjoin the president from declaring a national emergency when that's something that's remanded to the executive? Well, they have various theories of standing. Uh, I, you know, the, the California suit, uh, that's the one in which California is leading a consortium of 16 states. They have environmental theories saying that before you build any kind of a barrier along the southern border, that, you know, you need to get some kind of a, an environmental impact uh, statement. And then they, they have this somewhat strange claim, which is to say, look, a lot of this money is being diverted from military construction projects, and that is money that otherwise would have been spent in all likelihood on military construction projects in our state, and therefore we're losing out on that money and have a direct financial harm. I have a, a hard time buying that theory for the simple reason that, one, out of the $8.1 billion that the president is seeking, $4.5 billion of it did not require any declaration of a national emergency. I can go through that if you want. It's the last $3.6 billion that did require a declaration of a national emergency. That does come out of a pot of money in the Pentagon set aside for military construction projects. But that has been money that has already been appropriated, but not otherwise obligated. So the Secretary of Defense would have spent that money or, or might have spent that money, but he could have spent it in any of these states. And it's very, very speculative for any state to say, well, I know with absolute certainty that I was going to be getting some of that money. If that money had already been obligated, that might be somewhat of a, a, a more plausible argument, but it wasn't obligated. Well, and then, so there's there's so much going on here. Like, for, for the things that you just explained, it's so logical, but I guess it's, it's for me to assume, John, that these uh, individuals, these states that are suing are ignoring what you've just shared because the end goal here is to simply stop him from completing the wall. So it's, it's not a, an issue of the validity of the declaration. It's an issue of them finding a loophole or a judge or whatever they can find to stop it. Am, am I right about that? Yeah, no, I think that's right. And again, the one thing that's going to be very... I'd be curious to see how these judges that have these lawsuits, there's the one in California, there have been two filed here in the district, and the ACLU is saying it's going to file a lawsuit any day now. I don't know how they're going to handle the fact that $4.5 billion to build a barrier along the southern border did not require a declaration of a national emergency. So again, Congress gave him $1.4 billion uh, as part of the appropriations package, $600 million is coming from the Treasury's Asset Forfeiture Fund. The statute that governs that fund makes it very clear that any surplus funds uh, left over, the Secretary of Treasury can designate to any law enforcement agency for law enforcement purposes. There's no question that what's going on along the southern border involves human smuggling and drug interdiction. So those are law enforcement activities. And then $2.5 billion he's getting out of another Pentagon a program. It's a drug interdiction program. That's pursuant to a law that was signed into law by President Obama. And that makes it very clear that the Secretary of the Pentagon can use funds to, among other things, erect fences or a barrier along any uh, border where drugs are crossing into our country. So none of that money required a declaration of a national emergency. So that even if these challengers somehow got a court to say that this was a manufactured crisis and it's not a national emergency, or if it is, it doesn't require the use of the armed forces and they don't really need a barrier to support them anyway, that would set aside 
that $3.6 billion, but the other $4.5 billion would still be there, and that's the bulk of the $5.7 billion that the president immediately, you know, originally asked for. Hmm. Okay, so how do you see this playing out? Obviously, they're going to their court of choice, one right. of the liberal courts that will give them the an initial injunction that they need, which doesn't stop the president from using anything that's already ongoing. He already has some money that's been al- allocated to this project, and it, it's already not only allocated, it's appropriated, it's everything, it's totally lawful, and these repairs, replacements, and new construction of the old existing wall, and even some of the new prototype wall, these things have already been approved and are moving forward, but they're going to try to stop the National Declaration money, which you just designated how much that is. How do you see this like moving forward through the courts, starting with the ninth, which is where we assume this is going to be? Well, I think they'll try to get it all set aside, and probably, on again, using some kind of an environmental uh, theory saying that there have before he can do anything beyond renovating existing barriers that he needs to do some kind of an environmental impact uh, study or or homeowners uh, along the barrier will say well you know Congress hasn't given him specific authority to seize our land or under eminent domain and try to stop in that way the case has been assigned uh, to Judge Gilliam whom I don't really know I know he's an Obama appointee and I know that in another one of the other matters, he had previously entered a nationwide injunction against the president to stop him from doing some other policy initiative that he tried to do. So the challengers have got a good pick from their perspective, at least as first blush. They are moving for injunctive relief. We'll decide, you know, I'm sure, I assume it'll be on a uh, briefing, will, will be on an expedited basis. We'll see how quickly a court rules. Uh, but if there is one of these nationwide injunctions, uh, entered, it's going to elevate very, very quickly through the appellate uh, system. And, and, of course, while those cases are pending, the Supreme Court can either allow that injunction to stand or can lift the injunction pending a declaration of the merits, which is what they did in the travel ban case. You know, we, we will see just what these judges do and, and, you know, what reasoning they employ to do what it is they're going to do. Okay, what do you think they're going to, like, what, so as the Supreme Court as it sits, which I was, I know this is an odd thing to hear coming from Stacey on the right, but I was happy to see <laughs> Justice Ginsburg back in the, the saddle, and as, a, I guess, a reward for me not being petty and mean and wishing that she wasn't there, <laughs> she ruled in this case earlier this week, John, this fantastic case where they are actually forcing the states, specifically Indiana, to yeah. uh, you know, abide by the Constitution and not unreasonably seize through forfeiture things that don't have anything to do with the case that they're adjudicating to fund, let's say, police departments or you know, drug interdiction programs, whatever. Um, so I thought that was a fantastic ruling, and she was one of the people who wrote on it. And when I read what she wrote, it was hard for me to believe she's a Democrat, but that was a unanimous ruling from the Supreme Court. Do you see them doing the same thing they did with the travel ban? I mean, theoretically, they're going to see that this is within the president's wheelhouse. On first blush, anyone who's looking at this and doesn't have Trump derangement syndrome is going to come to the same conclusion that you came to. Yeah, look, I, I think it's likely to play out much the way the travel uh, ban case did. Presidents receive daily classified briefings about the various threats that we face, including threats along the southern border. Federal judges have no expertise in this area. They do not receive classified briefings, uh, very rarely, certainly not on a daily basis. And courts have been traditionally very reluctant to second-guess the national security decisions made by the president, although a lot of judges showed no reluctance whatsoever about doing precisely that with respect to the travel ban case. And my guess is that there will be at least one lower court judge out of all of these 
uh, lawsuits who will show similarly uh, no reluctance about doing so. I mean, that's the thing with these nationwide injunctions. I mean, you file 10 of these lawsuits, you can, if the executive branch wins nine of them, but there's one judge out there who enters a nationwide injunction, uh, that shuts down the program, period, so long as that injunction remains uh, in effect, which is why it's such an extraordinary uh, type of relief. And Justice Thomas has questioned its constitutionality, but so far he's the only justice that has questioned the constitutionality of nationwide injunctions. Okay, so you are, you actually went straight to my next question. This is what I was exactly going to ask you, which was, uh, so we have this statement by Justice Thomas, and he said that at some point the Supreme Court is going to have to weigh in on whether or not appellate courts can issue nationwide injunctions against the executive branch. Um, Do you think this might be that intersection at which they would have to mention that? Because it keeps happening. Yeah, it might be. Uh, You know, look, it is. There have been nationwide injunctions entered before. There was one, for instance, that a judge in Texas did against the Obama administration, preventing him from putting DAPA into effect. That was the follow-on program to the DACA uh, policy uh, that the president had already oh, put right. into effect. So it's not unheard of, but, but the number of uh, nationwide injunctions and the variety of nationwide injunctions has just exploded since President Trump has taken over. And normally, you, know, you sit in the district court, you're in a particular jurisdiction, you're supposed to enter injunctions that provide relief to the parties who are before you. Your rulings are not generally supposed to go beyond your jurisdiction. Class actions are, are kind of the exception to that rule. And normally the Supreme Court likes to see different judges all around the country looking at issues. And these, you know, their reasoning sort of percolates their way up. If you have one judge who enters a nationwide injunction and prevents any other court from doing something to the contrary, kind of short circuits that process and deprives the, the, uh, the courts of appeals and certainly the Supreme Court from the benefit of the wisdom of hearing from a number of other judges. So it's certainly a, a, a bad practice, uh, and Justice Thomas is perfectly careful, you know, perfectly prepared to say, well, for the first 150 years of our nation's history or more, there was never a nationwide injunction, and he thinks that, uh, that it may indeed be unconstitutional to have that practice now. Maybe this will be the case in which they take it up if, if the, the pace of nationwide injunctions continues the way it's been going. They will eventually have to rule on the issue, and if they don't, Congress uh, will or the Judicial Conference will have to rewrite the rules for when judges can enter nationwide injunctions. This, this cannot continue. Yeah, I, I would just like to see it just for the, 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 main, the main crux of it is that the, the judiciary is supposed to be separate and and not really impacted by the winds of politics. Now, I know that it's imp- it's impossible to have them be completely in, a, you know, a bubble or a silo away from the the everything that happens in the political world, but the idea that we even saw an argument, you 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 probably remember, the president said that you've got these Obama judges and then Justice Roberts came out and said there aren't right. Obama judges, there aren't, you know, there are only justices and judges. And Trump replied back, yeah, you know, actually there are. Like these guys work on behalf of one political party. They're not really there to interpret law or, uh, you know, protect the rights of citizens who are find themselves in these cases and they're, you know, coming up at the appellate level. And so I, I think there's something to be said for them 
crushing this, especially now, like not waiting until there's, a, you know, a president, Kamala Harris or Bernie Sanders, but doing it now because the, the Democrats would never stand for this. Like they'd have their their uh, military arm Antifa out smashing skulls and beating up grannies if we continually usurp the will of the voters by having conservative judges rule whatever we wanted. I mean, put the shoe on the other foot. This is unfathomable to see Democrats allowing this. Yeah, well, look, both the president and, and the chief justice, they had their points to make. So the chief justice saw the judiciary by his lights being attacked, and he wanted to be able to say, look, we take an oath. We we're life tenured. We leave our politics at the door. We're supposed to provide equal justice under law. We take a, uh, an oath to uphold the Constitution, not to uphold the whims of the Republican or Democratic Party. And he is right about that. That is what judges are supposed to do. Uh, but, of course, you get some judges who have a very difficult time doing that, or maybe they don't have a difficult time. They just don't want to do it. They want to be uh, political uh, activists wearing, wearing robes. And there are some judges uh, out there on, on, the, on the left and a few on the right who, who do that. So the president was, of course, correct to say, look, Mr. Chief Justice, this is all aspirational, but I live in the real world, and the fact of the matter is that these cases are being filed in the Ninth Circuit for a reason, mm-hmm. uh, and that is because there are an awful lot of activist judges in the Ninth Circuit, and that's why the Ninth Circuit is historically and perennially the most uh, reversed circuit uh, in, uh, in the nation. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're both right. I mean, there is no question that the challenges are, are picking their jurisdictions very, very carefully to dramatically increase the odds that they are going to be appearing before uh, a friendly judge who has perhaps an inflated sense of his or her own power. So speaking of things that are a little bit on the weird side, um, the president also just defunded Planned Parenthood to the tune of $60 million, which they're screaming about. They expect it to go to court, but it's, it's, I'm bringing it up to you because it's a, it's a really interesting thing. They're going to scream about $60 million when their profits are far, far and above over that. And they get $560 million from taxpayers. And that's not including the over a billion dollars they get through Medicare reimbursements that they get from taxpayers. So um, do you see that court challenge going anywhere or will they stick by what? Because the president has followed the rules here. It's, it's Title IX funding, which means they can delineate how Title IX funding is sent out. They can determine which strings they want attached to it. And if you don't meet the criteria, then you just don't get the funding. Do you see that being reversed? Yeah, I don't know enough about, uh, about the laws that apply. I know that under uh, Obamacare, I mean, they, uh, the Planned Parenthood successfully filed a challenge when a state tried to cut off their uh, Medicaid funding because of these horrific videos that were, uh, were produced. And they cited to an Obamacare provision that said so long as you were a qualified provider who were medically proficient in performing the services you perform, that it's up to individuals to uh, choose uh, how their Medicaid dollars got spent. The Supreme Court was going to take that up. They declined to hear the case, and that led to a back and forth between uh, okay. Justice Thomas. Uh, we've and, we've and got the music, John, and I probably shouldn't have asked you that. <laughs> I want to say thank you for coming on today. Have a great weekend. I'm John Malcolm, VP for the Institute of Constitutional Government. We'll be right back with more. Can solid teamwork building principles apply to all of life? Here's Tony Dungy, author of The Soul of a Team, with today's Uncommon Moment. When he was asked what made the Pittsburgh Steelers such standouts in the 1970s, Coach Chuck Knoll said, the most important thing we had was the ability to work together. Of course, if working together were easy, there wouldn't be so much written about it, and every team would be wildly successful. 
So what separates the truly great teams from the mediocre ones? It basically boils down to four simple yet highly effective principles. Selflessness, ownership, unity, and larger purpose, which together form what I like to call the soul, S-O-U-L, of a team. I can assure you that these principles will hold true for any business, nonprofit, church, or other type of organization. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of The Soul of a Team, from Tyndale House. More at CoachDungy.com. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called TuneIn. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. Mickey Addison. My challenge to you was to evangelize your children and to disciple your children and to give them the truth. Because if you don't do that, then we have a culture that's waiting in the wings to disciple your kids and to make converts. And so I really believe and I expect the Lord to really set some people free today. The Marriage, Family and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. This is Fox on Justice. The question before the Supreme Court is about a question. Is this person a citizen of the United States? The Trump administration wants that answered by people who fill out the 2020 census. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up the issue of whether they have the right to ask this question. It's a question that gets right at the heart of the fight over illegal immigration. The citizen's question must be removed from the 2020 census. Opponents like Liz Uyang of the group New York Counts calls it racism, designed to scare people away from filling out the form. Supporters like J. Christian Adams with the Public Interest Legal Foundation considers that fear-mongering. They're afraid that we're going to get a better handle on the problem of illegal immigration. The census is required by the Constitution, with the count used to determine how federal spending is doled out to the states. The Supreme Court is expected to hear arguments in April. With Fox on Justice, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You can't put a false report of a guy being injured and he's not injured. You have to have an actual excuse. That's an NBA rule. Oh. I think an NBA rule, if, a, you, if you come out you with say? a... You can't put a false report of saying someone is hurt and they're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what you say, Chuck? No, uh, <laughs> uh, no see. Bogus put up a false report. Well, you know what? True a word. True a word. have never been said. <laughs> Looks to me like a good time to take a break. Oh, oh man. Oh, I tell you what, though, man. Okay, all right. There must be some good sandwiches at Subway. <laughs> if you're going to go out there at 3, 4 in the morning to get them. Go grab me. Chad, what they got on them sandwiches? What sandwich? am I supposed to do with them now? Chad, what's on them sandwiches? Bologna? <laughs> Bologna. Bologna, government Turkey cheese. Turkey cheese. <laughs> Honey mustard. My <laughs> point was. <laughs> well taken. Okay, so you just heard a bunch of uh, stars on. Well, they're, they're former NBA players, and it was uh, Charles Barkley and a bunch of other people. And they were sitting up discussing some actual sporting issue, like 
something to do with sports. And you guys know I have no idea. I don't watch ESPN. And it's, you know, not, not a boycott thing. I just don't watch it because I don't care about uh, sports unless someone I know is playing. So <laughs> if it's not my husband or one of the kids. I just don't care to watch. And I got to say, when I heard the audio, I just couldn't get over how comical they found the whole situation. The fact that Jesse Smollett paid with a check, the, the fact that he had them go out and buy all of the materials. It was almost like, you know, one of those consultant relationships where you say, uh, you know, I, I hear that you um, stage fake race attacks. And the person that you call is like, yeah, we do. It's something that we do. We'll go buy the uh, actual materials for you. We'll even send the fake letter, you know, if you want us to send a, a hoax letter a racially charged hoax letter. You tell us some general aspects of the, of the target. We'll send it for you. We'll, you know, we'll make it look authentic. And here's what we charge for that. And we accept checks and PayPal payments. And so it's almost like that's how it went down. And some of the things that they're now coming out with in these press conferences about how he, you know, literally paid with the check, how they went to a hardware store and bought the rope for the news and all of that. They cut the pieces of the, the letters out of pieces of newspaper and glued them on in the traditional like crazy letter from, you know, some whack job. They did all of that. And so now we've gotten to a point where a lot of people are mocking Jesse Smollett and uh, the other cast members of the show Empire have actually thrown such a fit that they want him written out of all of the, the there are two episodes left. So the. Fox, Fox, the television uh, station, has complied. They're writing Jesse Smollett out. And people are mocking him. The only people he still has in his corner are like uh, Don Lemon, who can't seem to bring himself to truly out-and-out out condemn this guy. And, uh, you know, some others who they're not really going to defend him, but they're not going to crush him either. Like, they're, they just seem like they're, they want to just let it go. They want it to go away. Uh, so I want to get back to the phones, and it's your turn to call in if you want, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037, and we'll talk about anything, whatever you want to talk about, and uh, we'll also talk about this New Jersey Senate bill that they just passed that would keep President Trump off the 2020 ballot. This is so, like, ludicrous. They want to keep President Trump off the ballot unless he releases his tax returns, and since they can't get it done at the the congressional level, they want to get it done at the state level. And basically he wouldn't be on the ballot in different states, which would severely harm his chances of winning. Right. Uh, so let's go to Tony. Tony, thank you for calling the show today. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. I just had a question about government shutdowns. When I mean, we hear about it, it's happened a few times, but I've always wondered who decides what gets shut down. Well, it's it depends on which continuing resolution. Since we no longer do regular budgetary process and regular order, uh, what happens is there's a continuing resolution that covers funding for, you know, this many agencies, five or six agencies. And so when that continuing resolution is not passed through Congress, if Congress can't agree, then it becomes a government shutdown. Um, or if they agree, but the president refuses to sign again, government shutdown. Um, so that's how it, it's determined. It's really, you have to look at the actual budget itself, the continuing resolution itself, and see what agencies are covered. And that's how you can tell what will be shut down. This time it was just five or six agencies comprising about 20, 24%, something like that, of the federal government. And that was, it was just the, the hill the president picked to fight for his funding for the wall. 
uh, it was and he felt it was appropriate in that continuing resolution because that one included homeland security and the border invasion is a you know it's ha being handled by the department of homeland security and immigrations and customs enforcement uh let's go to eric in arizona hey eric thank you for calling the show today hi hi i'm actually from arkansas awesome thanks for calling in but i wanted to comment on what you said earlier about bernie sanders not getting the approval of the Democrats this time mm. for the presidential election. Yeah. If he's really an independent, why should he not run as an independent? I agree. I think they should force him to run as an independent. Now, the reason he doesn't want to run as one is because the independent party apparatus will not provide him a means by which he can win the presidency. It will just split the vote for... Uh, the Democrats, the Democrats and independents, independent siphon votes off of the Republicans primarily. But in this case, it would siphon votes off of the Democrats because he really is, you know, he's on the left. So um, Eric in Arkansas, happy Friday to you. Thanks for calling the show. Let's go to Michael in Mississippi. Hey, Michael, thanks for calling the show. Hi, Casey. Uh, I just wanted to comment on uh, how much of a shame it is that the left-wing media has been trying to paint the Republican Party as this uh, outlandish thing, and they're trying to call themselves the party of diversity. But if you would just take a minute to look at the Republican Party, it's a party that welcomes, it has people uh, who listen to AFR, and it has KKK members. And we all support the same candidate, and uh, it doesn't matter if you're a racist or a Christian you can aim for the same goal. And I just want to say it's amazing. Yeah, to you know what, Michael? Zip that up. You are thing. not going to get away with that on my show. Uh-uh. No, you're trying to basically come on and make a statement that's kind of a backhanded insult by saying that it's KKK members and racists in the Republican Party, but you're ignoring the people on the left who assume I can't be in a book club because I'm black, or they assume that somehow I must be a single mom because I'm black. Can I, can I just talk to you for a second, Michael, about how many times I've had some liberal Bernie Sanders supporter talk down to me because I'm black? It's the Democrats who have a problem with race. It's the Democrats who were in the KKK to begin with. It's the Democrats who were the purveyors of slavery and didn't want to see it ended because it was profitable for them. But let's just talk about the modern, modern racism that we see from Democrats. I'm, I'm sorry, Michael. How many black friends do you have? Do you live in a black neighborhood? Do your kids go to a racially integrated school? Do you live in a gated community, Michael? Or are you one of those people who you're in a union and your union doesn't have any black people in it? Don't get me started. Racism is not a political issue. It's an issue of the heart. A person who holds hatred in their, in their heart for their brother or their sister is ignoring the innate beauty of that other created being because we are all created in the image of God. And your idea that you thought you'd call in here on a Friday and slide that little bit of backhanded slappage trying to insinuate that I'm with a bunch of racists you're not going to get away with that today, baby. You can't play that on my program. So first of all, don't call back. And second of all, what you should be really doing is addressing the hatred in your own heart. You hate Donald Trump. You hate Donald Trump supporters. And the only thing you've got to assault us with is this idea that we're racist because you don't have any fresh ideas. You're supporting a party that actually enslaves black people in the plantations of inner cities where they're stuck. Poor educational outcomes, elementary schools with no air conditioning, and lots of Planned Parenthood buildings to kill off all the unwanted weeds in the black community. 
you're supporting that. Explain to me, Michael, how you're going to get to the judgment seat and talk to God about racism in the Republican Party instead of talking to him about how you supported abortion, how you supported the dismemberment of babies in the womb, how you support post-birth abortion, how you don't believe that babies, when they're black, have every right to exist the same as any baby that might be white. You have a problem with racism, not Republicans. Don't try me and don't try that on this good Christian air. Thank you, though. Thank you for getting me riled up. Good for the Friday. Good to get the blood pumping on a Friday. Happy Friday to you. And I hope what I sincerely hope for you is that you find your way into a church populated by many, many different skin tones because the, the, the permanent tan doesn't determine anything. Ethnic diversity means nothing. It's actually the heart that matters. And I hope you get your heart right. I hope you get into church. I hope someone that, that is loving and, and a true disciple of God and Jesus Christ will bring you into the family and that you'll learn to start looking at people for their character and what they have on their heart as opposed to staring at their skin color and making snap judgments about them the way you seem to be doing with Trump supporters. Oh, I just, you know, not today, Zerg, not today. Um, I want to listen to this little bit of audio from... Secretary of State Pompeo, he's talking about this ISIS bride and how she's a terrorist and how she's not coming back to America. And he does a little bit just at the end of it about uh, the foreign policy aims of having our troops still in the Middle East in certain portions where we're crushing ISIS. And then we'll go back to the phones. Let's listen to number five. I don't get the heartstrings deal. This is a woman who inflicted enormous risk on American soldiers, uh, on American citizens. She's a terrorist. She's not coming back. President Trump made clear uh, that she wasn't coming back. She's not a U.S. citizen. She is not entitled to U.S. citizenship. And she's not coming back to our country to pose a threat. Has the, has the uh, strategy changed in terms of pulling the troops out, out of, uh, of Syria and Afghanistan even? No, the, the tactical decision the president made in Syria to take the 2,000 uniformed military personnel out of Syria re remains. Uh, we're now literally on the doorstep. We could be hours away from taking away the last square inch of ISIS-controlled territory in Syria, now liberated millions of people in Iraq and Syria. Uh, President Trump knows the threat from ISIS remains. It's a global threat. We're going to stay at it. Um, but our tactics in Syria have changed. <laughs> so we're literally moments away from completely obliterating ISIS in Syria. And everyone is mainly on this whole idea that we just have to have so many thousands of troops there. How about if we allow the people with a military training, the military minds, and the people who really know what's going on there to make the decision about how many troops should be there instead of just knee-jerk reacting and saying, we have to have troops there, we have to have troops there. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything in the Middle East. I'm sick of this idea that our blood has to be spilled over there in order for things to go well. How about if we just crush the enemy wherever we find it, complete the mission as stated, and then pull out and get on with our lives? That's what I'd like to see us do. All right, Scott in Tennessee, thank you so much for calling the show. Hi, Stacey. Hi. Uh, did you get a good breath after that, that call with that guy? I'm still trying down, to get a little breath in. Yeah, I'm still trying. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. It's just not, not today. Oh, oh no, my gosh. No, no. Yeah, I'm with you. You're, you're totally right. Hey, I just want to make a comment about this ridiculous Empire Star and all this stuff that's going on with this. The left is making such a big deal about truth, and all they can't, they just can't abide by all the deception that's been going on. The first time it's ever happened, they, all they're about is deception in life. Look at Covington, look at Judge Moore, look at so many things the media across the country spent hours, days, weeks going after nothing but falsehoods, even after it was proven false. Oh, they're all about continuing that. 
But yet, here's this thing which is way less important than, oh, I don't know, getting a senator elected to, 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 to Congress. Wait a minute. Now they're so righteous, and they're all of the left. is all coming out about truth. It's really hypocritical beyond belief. Uh, there's not one other example of them ever being truthful in the media. It's just pretty mind-blowing that we're giving them that much attention, um, mm-hmm. and they're faking it. They're faking this whole thing. I wouldn't be surprised the whole thing is a scam to try to give themselves credibility. I mean, so first of all, Scott, you're dead on. And second of all, I hate it too, which, which is so part of what you're talking about here. I, that's why I'm not talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as much anymore. I'm trying to not give her so much breathing room and so much space. And it's like, you know, blowing oxygen into a fire. It's only going to get bigger. And it's the same thing with these hoaxes, except the, the retractions don't nearly match the actual initial media blitz on these things. And so what I'm hoping is that, like, like you've just articulated there, that we can suck the air out of this this whole idea that there's some violent movement by Trump supporters to do anything to anyone. Trump supporters are too busy going to work and paying their taxes and doing the things they have to do to get involved in these late night polar vortex, you know, sandwich beatings. It's just not happening. But I want to I want to strike a balance between covering it and not giving it too much coverage. And so it's just it just it just drives me nuts. So that we actually have to go through this at all because we should be fighting about the ideas. And I, I'm beginning, I'm already there. It's no beginning. I'm already at the place where I I now understand that the reason why we see so much vitriol from the Democrats is that failing a lot makes people angry. And if they're unwilling to leave the kind of trough that they've made for themselves, which is a trough of failure, if you're unwilling to leave the ideas that got you there, and the only thing that's left is to lie about your opponent, to attack your opponent, verbally and physically, and to level the kinds of smear tactics like Republicans are all racist or black Republicans are all, you know, tap dancing for, for their masters. The, the kind of stuff I get in my email box. I'm an Uncle Tom. I hate myself. I hate black people. Whatever. You can keep saying whatever you want to, but look at the black conservatives and how successful we are. Look at the Christians in this country doing philanthropic good works, being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, all while keeping a smile on their face and paying their taxes and doing what needs to be done. I suggest to people who think we're all racist, okay, fine, we are. Now what? What are you going to do about yourself? What are you going to do about the situation you're in and making yourself successful? That's our one of the show. We'll be back with our two right after these messages from uh, onenewsnow.com. Stay there.